Hi, and welcome to Living Your Soul's Journey. You're not just a person. You're a soul with a path of evolution. There is a bigger picture here, a reason for what happens to us. When we discover this deeper meaning, we receive freedom and abundance. Each week, we will be discussing matters relating to the soul, spirit, and cosmic energies. Learning how to incorporate all of these aspects into living an abundant and happy life. Isn't that what we all want? Dr. Vicki's transformational program uses intuitive and well-proven methods to identify the root cause of what is preventing success, to help bring positive change, the change your soul is crying out for you to experience. If you're lonely, sad, and stuck, then listen into the show and find out ways to become free and happy. It's easy to call into the show or simply listen. Either way, sit back, relax, and enjoy living your soul's journey. Well, welcome to Living Your Soul's Journey this evening with Dr. Vicki, a show about universal laws and how to apply them to your own life for your prosperity. A favorite guest of mine, Richard Andrew King, is, a, well, actually, he's a very famed numerologist from California, but he's gone beyond the scope of numerology on his new best-selling book, Karma, The Definite Guide to the Supreme Law of This World. So welcome this evening, Mr. Richard Andrew King. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Vicki, for the introduction. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's a little over the top for me, but you know, I, I'll, t- I'll take it. Thank you. Very oh, well, much. I'm one of those kind of people. So, And the, the book is fabulous. I had... Um, I typically don't get into books real, real, you know, heavily because I'm, I work so much. But when I got into karma, I really had to just stop everything and kept reading and reading. And within a couple of days, I had it read. Uh-huh. So that says a lot for me because, uh, you know, it, it was just a wonderful book. It is a wonderful book. So, but I have to ask you, I got a lot of questions for you. What prompted you to write this book um, as, as you term the supreme law the law of karma. Well, all my life I've been interested in discovering the secret behind things. And as you well know, I've devoted decades to sharing the knowledge of numerology through the King's Book of Numerology series, which now has 12 volumes. But I've always wanted to share what I have learned about karma because it is amazing to me how this simple word is really the ultimate law, and it's a law, it's not just a phrase, of this creation. So after the 12th volume of the King's Numerology uh, series was finished, I decided to put my focus now on spiritual things, uh, such as karma. I also have another book called Messages from the Masters, Timeless Truths for Spiritual Seekers, and my book of poems, 99 Poems of the Spirit, also deals with spiritual substance. So Uh, I I loved writing this book, and I'm glad that I was able to share this this information and be a part of the process. 
I've always said your books are going to be, I think the word is timeless. So they're going to, someone's going to find them a year, a hundred years from now and say, whoa, this was a wise, wise man. I, I just, I've always felt that. Well, I don't know so, that I'm wise, but but the the knowledge is certainly, in my, as far as I'm concerned, accurate and true and worthy of people's attention. Okay. So, yeah. Well, a lot of people feel that, or think, or understand, or misunderstand that karma is only bad. Yet, you know, talk to us about that because the law of karma is just the law of karma, good and bad. So share a little bit about what your book says about this law. Well, it is a law. And the first uh, paragraph, actually, I should probably back up and and talk about just the, the author's preface. Because in that second chapter, or the second paragraph of the pref- of the uh, author's um, preface, I mentioned that the purpose of this book is to help people in their spiritual ascent, not necessarily their worldly life. Most people see things in a worldly perspective. I don't. I try to look beyond this life to other lives, and I think that's where we have to understand karma plays an enormous part in understanding where we're going to be after this life is concerned. Karma, of course, is the law of sowing and reaping, of cause and effect, of choice and consequence, of action and reaction. All saints discuss this as a law, not just of a word that can be bandied about with abandon. It really is much more than that. It's not negative karma. Everything is karmic. Karma is a Sanskrit word for action, which just means cause and effect action and reaction. So everything we do, our thoughts and deeds, eventually will come back to us. One of the phrases I use is what we put onto the circle of life circles back to encircle us. The problem, and I think the reason most people don't believe the law of karma, is because they don't live long enough to experience the return action of the original action that they created. We don't just live one life and then we're dead. There's this concept of YOLO. I don't know if you've heard that acronym. Mm -hmm. It stands for you only live once. This is a delusion. This is a lie. Do not believe it. We live many, many, many lives. In fact, St. Charan Singh of the 20th century said, and this is profound, and I Uh, would like your reader, your listeners, to listen closely. He says, the human body is not given to us in every birth. We get it only after millions of lives, and it is a very rare and precious gift not to be wasted on the perishable things and objects of this world. Those millions of lives are in subhuman forms. The human body is the highest in creation. There are, according to saints, 8,400,000 forms of uh, material bodies into which the soul can incarnate. Think think of a ladder of having 8,400,000 rungs. Mm -hmm. The highest rung on that ladder is the human form, and it is the only form in which man has the ability to merge with God in no other form. Can that happen? So you're looking at 8,399,999 other forms of life that have no clue 
that there's a God or that they can merge their soul into that God. So therefore, the human form is the crown jewel of, of this creation. Even saints and gods of the inner regions, saints tell us, pine to have a human form. And karma is intricately attached and integrated with transmigration. Transmigration means the movement of souls from uh, one form to another. People understand the word reincarnate. Well, reincarnate means just to take on another body. It doesn't mean to take on a human body. So, when we have a human form, our goal is to make spiritual progress as much as we can before we pass on from this body to ensure that we get a human body in our next life because we may not if we act like animals in this life or less then it may be taken away from us and we may be cast back into this wheel of transmigration for eons of time and that's kind of scary Mm -hmm. when we think of transmigration uh, pythagoras comes to mind now those people who have listened to me uh, as a numerologist on your show before, know that Pythagoras was the uh, first pure mathematician, and he said numbers rule the universe. Everything is arranged according to number and mathematical shape, which is absolutely true. But he was also a believer in uh, transmigration, Mm -hmm. uh, this movement of the soul from, from various species. Well, he lived 500 years before Christ. So one can then move forward and we go, well, where did this concept of transmigration go? Why don't we know about it? In fact, Western theology, we could argue, is 2,500 years late to the party. But it is an integral part of this life because what we do today is going to have a major effect on where we are uh, tomorrow and even in, in the next life. All of our actions, good or bad, are going to go with us. All saints talk about karma as being a law, not as just a nice idea. So very, very critical to think about our actions on a day-to-day basis. Well, I think it's very powerful what you've said because one of the issues that comes up is that not everyone believes in karma. And so I, when I speak with people, I say, well, you don't have to believe in it, but it is, it exists. It's a universal law. It, it's, it's so talk to us about, you know, cause you talk so much about trans transmigration, you know, with Indian religions, Hinduism, huh. Buddhism. And I, I just read a book on Buddhism and it talks about that. Be kind to the animals because sure. you, you know, their viewpoint is you come back as an animal. Uh, and not necessarily like you're talking about the higher consciousness that we're all evolving or we're wanting to evolve to. So, so talk to us about what happens if someone does not believe in karma. Well, it's not a matter of belief. Mm-hmm. Belief, remember, is just a thought. Yeah. And, and belief neither validates nor invalidates reality. Mm-hmm. What, what has um, interested me is when we think of all of these concepts that were in the time of Christ and and, uh, before him even, all these people believed in in transmigration and in in reincarnation and in karma. What happened in in the space of that transference to to Western uh, God thought that all of this got left behind? And the answer to that from a spiritual standpoint, is there are powers that do not want people to understand this because if they could understand it, they would create actions 
that liberated them more than enchained them to this creation. No saint comes here to make this a better place for us to live. All saints, even Christ said the same thing, they come into this world to detach us from it and take us home with a capital H. Now, if you can make people believe that you're going to be saved or somehow just go to some paradise or heaven because you think you're going to go, then the Mm -hmm. person's not going to try harder. But that's not. We have to do the work. All saints talk about that. Christ talked about it. It's There's no way we're going to get out of here unless we do the spiritual work, which is basically one of purification and perfecting uh, our consciousness on, on the way up. So what, it, does, it doesn't matter whether somebody believes in karma or not. It is a fact. That's why we say it's a law. In fact, the first paragraph of the first chapter of this book reads this way. Now, this may seem like overkill to some people, but it has a purpose. It goes like this. Karma is the supreme, eternal, universal, immutable, irrefutable, inescapable, inviolable, irrevocable, inexorable, self-operating law of this creation. Simply defined, karma is the process of action and reaction, cause and effect, choice and consequence, sowing and reaping. So many adjectives, right, in that paragraph, but they're given because every one of those adjectives reinforces the fact that karma is a law. It is not simply a nice little thought that people say, oh, well, well, that's your karma coming back on you and so forth. No, it's going to happen to everybody. And so this book goes into different, as you will know, different Mm -hmm. subjects. We talk about the karma of free love. We talk about the karma of relationships, the karma of diet, the karma of power, the karma of abortion. All of these things are covered in the book. And to me, it's critical. If somebody's on a spiritual path, they, I, I, I believe they need to know this information. It has benefited me enormously. Uh, if, they, if they're not concerned with their spiritual life and they don't care about going back into some subhuman form, then God bless them. They're welcome to do that. I'm mm-hmm. not forcing. You're not forcing. Nobody is yeah. forcing people to believe in this. But these are the writings of saints. And if we're smart, we ought to pay attention and perk our ears up and start taking note because this life for every one of us is destined to the breath. And I, I will say this, that most Well, every, every human on this planet was born with a golden spoon in their mouth. Now, I can just hear people going, oh, my God, Richard, how could you say that? (laughs) My life is horrible. No, think of this. Every human was born with a golden spoon in their mouth because they were born human. They were not born as a subhuman species of one of the 8,399,999 other forms of life. (laughs) So they have a great opportunity, no matter what their status in life is, to make spiritual progress and to ensure, ultimately, they keep getting a human form and can escape from this really dark, uh, labyrinthine nightmare we we call the world. It is a really dark world. It it really is. And I want to just mention something, because there's so much, and I just want to say something about your book, is that we're not going to be able to cover everything tonight, but... You can buy it on Amazon, and we'll talk about it at the end of the show as well, so that you can go in and read about this yourself. And life is the road less traveled, and and it's very important to really fine-tune who you are, what you're doing on this planet, because it isn't just about 
you know, the simple life or, or the, the always joy. It's about getting further along. Now you had mentioned, what do you see as karmic hindrances? And you mentioned the saints described five of them. They do. Yep. All saints talk about this and it's not just a saint of one age, it's saints throughout hundreds of years. And so the five hindrances have also been called five poisons. They have been called five passions, five perversions, different names saints use, but they are these, and they are pride, anger, greed, attachment, and lust. Those five, pride, anger, greed, attachment, and lust. Think in terms of vines with their sucking tendrils. And so we are all encompassed in these five variety of vines that attach their tendrils to us and basically just suck the living life out of us. We have to work, this is one of the things we can do to start perfecting and purifying our life, is to fight against our own pride, our own anger, our greed, our attachment, and our lust. It's a lifelong process. In fact, working our way up the ladder of spirituality, so to speak, it's not going to be it's not going to be done in one lifetime. We have to expand our understanding beyond this life to three, four, five, or six lives. I know that sounds like a joke. It's not. Mm. We if go back to Saint John Singh's statement when he says the human body's not given to us in every birth. We get it only after what was it? Millions of lives. So what are four or five lives, six lives, seven lives, maybe even ten lives? So we can get out and escape because we really are bound. Even in uh, my numerology work, when we study numerology, we can see that we are all imprisoned because our lives are destined to the breath. Otherwise, we, we, we could be free. We could change our numbers. You can't change all of that. That's what those 12 volumes and 40 years of work has shared with people. Is we're really trapped numerologically, but we're also trapped because of the actions we've taken in past lives, which have caused us to be here. And much of that is because of our pride, anger, greed, attachment, and lust, the five hindrances. Now, when you talk about your numerology and there, there's a whole system to that. And, and as people that have listened to the show before know that you are a numerologist and the name that you're given at birth is the name that you use to get all the numbers together. Now, when you look at, this is fascinating to me, Rich, when you're looking at karma from a, a numerologist viewpoint and things are, I mean, I was going back over one of the the um, charts that you had, um, one of the statements you had written in my chart, and you had made a statement about something, and I didn't catch it the first time, but I did, you know, as I continue to read it. And I'm like, wow, he spotted that statement about where I am in my life incredibly, but it was based on the name changing from one name to another in the birth name. Now, how do you fit that in with the karma, or am I asking something that's too much to talk about in one show? I mean, like, you, you're talking about my, my maiden name. I'm moving into that in a year and a half. And so someone, someone has a stuck feeling. I, ha- I have a, a client right now that has, is very stuck, okay? They feel stuck. And I know that it's something they're working through. So how do you, how do you talk to people about the law of karma and that situation with their, with their numbers? Well, that's a boy. We could talk that's, for hours. Just yeah, I know. Just briefly. Just okay. Briefly. Okay. So, nothing is happenstance in this world. We do not have a certain destiny because we were born with a certain name on a certain date, but rather, 
we have a certain destiny because uh, of our past. The actions that we had in, in other lives created this life. Mm-hmm. Now, when somebody, particularly when somebody looks at the first part of their chart, the their charts are divided into multiple uh, parts, as those people who follow the King's numerology understand. Let's say somebody, uh, like myself, has a six void. Well, those numbers are there for a reason. No number is in our chart just because it's happenstance. So what that told me when I finally figured it out was that in a prior life, a six void, by the way, usually means people, or not usually, it means people will have issues with love, with nurturing, with family, with the domestic environment, and so forth. Everybody who has no Fs, Os, or Xs in their name, in their birth name, will have a six void. So they will have issues with those uh, love, uh, family, nurturing, and so on and so forth. I had that strong, strongly anchored in my chart in the first half of it. And there was none of that in my family. But I realized karmically that in a, few, in a past life, I must have not been uh, a very good dad or something of that nature I have been in this lifetime. I think my kids will tell you that. But it came back to me as not being supportive, not being loved, and so on and so forth and, uh, in, in a past life. So we can see those kinds of things, that whatever is in those charts, we did something in, in another life. And this, is, uh, this goes to the chapter on victimhood. Yes. The reality of, of life is that there are absolutely no victims in this world we turn on tv and everybody is claiming i'm a victim i'm a victim. no you're not because what you sow you reap and you cannot reap what you do not sow that's how the law works so whenever we go through whatever turmoils we're going through we have to be big enough and this is where the rubber hits the road on the spiritual path you've got to acknowledge that somewhere in your past you did something that created these problems they didn't just happen because somebody else did something we created it what we put onto the circle of life circled back to and circle us. That's just the way real life works. Now, I'd like to share with you uh, St. Jagat Singh's definition of karma so they understand. St. Jagat Singh was a saint of the 20th century. He was a chemistry professor uh, by trade. All saints say you, do, you make your own way. You do not go through life with your hand out looking for a help up. You take care of business. Your life, your responsibility. That's the deal. Mm-hmm. But he said this, quote, the law of karma is a self-operating law of cause and effect. A seed sown must sprout. Whatever you sow now, you will have to reap either in this birth or the next. Every action produces reaction, which in turn produces further reactions, and this vicious cycle goes on forever. He continues, Not even a single grain that inadvertently enters your granary from a neighbor's field can go unaccounted. You simply must pay for what you get. The law is inviolable, and it cannot be set aside. The payment may be either in kind, in coin, or by transfer of an equivalent good karma, but payment there must be. And so that's what happens to us. We pay for our karmas, our bad karmas, with disease, with problems, with sorrows, with tragedies, etc., etc., we're reconciling our actions from our past. 
but there are no innocent victims, and the numbers in our numerology chart are not their happenstance. They're there because of our actions from a prior life. Now, I, yeah, I, I understand that 100%. I am, in case someone is listening tonight and they say, but, but I'm such a kind person now. True, true. And I shouldn't have to experience this now because I'm kind. And what do you say? I know that you have people come to you that don't believe in reincarnation, um, probably don't believe that, you know, they're, the transmigration can exist uh, because they don't believe in reincarnation. Uh, so how do you explain that other than, I mean, without, you know, making them feel bad, but they're this kind, kind person and they're saying, but why did this happen? You know, it's, I just would love to hear what you would say to, to folks because there's so many um, rich, you know, I live in the Bible Belt out down here. And, you know, if you mention reincarnation to where I live, it's like, what? You know, karma? Well, you know? well I, I must, yeah, I must say that, uh, first of all, we have to understand the Bible. There, when you ask somebody, if somebody says to me, uh, the Bible says this. Well, I, my answer is, well, what what edition of the Bible are you referencing? There have been something like 50 different editions of the Bible by different people. They usually will modify that, that book to suit themselves. For example, in, Amen. The King, in the King James Version, the sixth commandment is, thou shalt not kill. But in another version of the Bible, there is uh, it says, thou shalt not murder. And I will guarantee you that whoever changed that from the St. Jo- uh, James Version to Thou Shalt Not Murder Version was not a vegetarian. That's, that's how I see it. Because <laughs> when, when we think of murder, we think of killing people. We don't think of killing animals because, no. after all, gave a, God gave us animals to kill and slaughter and eat. No, that's not correct. In fact, in the 22nd chapter of the Essene Gospel of St. John from the Dead Sea Scrolls, Jesus is quoted as saying, eat not the flesh of your innocent prey, lest you become the slaves of Satan. And we have to be honest about all of this. That Bible, as as beautiful as it is, and I, I love the Bible, but it has been manipulated by people to control other people. And Jesus never wrote a word of the Bible, nor did any of his disciples. Uh, it, was, it, was, it wasn't written when he was alive. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's correct. Now, there are, for example, re- reincarnation. I don't know how this escaped somebody's uh, eraser, but when Jesus was going to, uh, when he was in Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he said, who do the people say that I, the son of man, am? And they responded, some say you are John the Baptist, some say you are Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Well, Jeremiah and Elijah lived hundreds of years before Christ. What that is referencing is, in fact, they understood about reincarnation, and they just didn't use the word reincarnation. But when you say to to Jesus, when he says, uh, who do the people say that I am? And you're saying, well, you're a a, a prophet that lived hundreds of years ago. Mm -hmm. That's prima facie evidence of them understanding reincarnation. But I I just tell people to get back to your original question. I tell them, these are my points of view. This is where I have come in my own study. Uh, I'm over 70 years old now. And I've been working, studying this all my life. And from where I sit, Trans, transmigration is an absolute fact of life. 
Mm-hmm. So is reincarnation. So is karma. If people choose not to believe that, I say, that's fine. You can believe that. But this is where I'm coming from. So I don't tell them they're wrong. I just tell them what I believe and let them go, go about you know, their, their way. Mm-hmm. Most, of them, most of them are kind enough. They'll listen. And eventually, when they start, uh, I think, awakening to these truths, then they'll start and thinking them through. You see, most, most religions don't want you to think. They want you to follow. So they, they deny you the truth. And in the Bible, it's in Proverbs, I guess, or under Galatians 16, uh, 6, 7, I believe it is. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, the same shall he also reap. I mean, it's right there in front of your face. How can you not? Do you read the Bible? Do you really understand what it's saying? Uh, St. Charon Singh, in fact, wrote a two-volume set of works, one Light on St. Matthew and Light on St. John. You can get those uh, off of um, the web if you, if you want. And mm-hmm. he goes through and explains the, the mystical understanding of what, these, uh, what is really being said in, in those uh, Gospels of Matthew and John. Yes. So, so to me, uh, it's absolutely fact that the, the teachings of the saints absolutely is the highest teaching I have ever come across. By far. Well, I'm I'm impressed so much with your book about all of the poems and all the wisdoms that you share as well. And obviously, we can't go into all of that tonight. But when you buy the book, you can, you have that opportunity to read it and and review all of those wonderful um, insights that you have, as well as as the saints and those that you know came before us. Mm-hmm. So now, one thing that I want to talk about because this is a big issue in the world today. Well, there are a lot of big issues in the world today, but there's just one issue that comes to mind. And I think it's just because when I opened the book up just now, it was on page 55 and it was talking about anger. There's a lot of anger in the world. And from a law of karma, I'm going to ask you based on your book, what can people do to understand their own anger and how that affects the law of karma and how that affects their own responsibility. Like you talk about a nuclear blast of anger, just one can, can destroy an entire life of goodness and damage our relationships. That's Let's exactly talk. Right. Yeah. Talk about that just uh, to help people understand how important that is so that people, I don't, you know, what I'm saying here, Rich, is we don't want people to control. We want people to control their emotions, but we don't want them to stuff them down. Well, no, it's See not, what I'm saying? Yeah. No, yeah, it's yeah. not stuffing them down. It's yes. just becoming more aware of uh, of life. For example, I've noticed that people who are very hateful, mm-hmm. look at them and and you can just turn on the TV and and look at their their countenance. People who are always hateful and have nothing good to say about anybody and who slander and vilify others, there's not a countenance of joy in their faces. There's not one person who is joyful. And this is my own feeling, but I think it's accurate. The farther we as a soul move away from this creator with a capital C, i.e. God, because that's the name that most people use. Right. The farther we get away from that concept, we really can't because God is in us as humans. So you can't 
separate ourselves. But people can psychologically separate themselves from God, and we see it all the time. The farther you get away from that center of divinity, you get you get scared, and you get frightened, and you get angry. But people who are close to God don't get angry that much, if you'll notice. So my suggestion is to people, look at what's making you angry. Today, if you say boo to somebody, oh, I'm going to sue you, and they fall all apart because they can't accept somebody else's point of view. We see it, and that's just fear. That is a sense of incompleteness. Those are people who are not whole. So we want to work on being more whole. And I'll tell you, if people are angry, every burst of anger, they're only making their own lives worse because that anger is going to come back full circle eventually to bite them in the you-know-what yeah. because that's how karma works. Yeah. What we put onto the circle of life circles back to encircle us. Mm-hmm. But people have to have some awareness of, of a divine design to their life. Otherwise, they're going to continue to go down this very dark, cold hole, almost a black hole of divine ignorance and fear and anger and hatred. So uh, love is always the solution to that and being grateful for what you have. Right. Oh, you just said it. And that's what I was wanting to get towards so that people can say, well, what can I do, you know, to make things better? Start and, loving people. Yeah, Start loving yeah. them. Mm-hmm. What you and, put and, on, what, excuse me, I'm sorry, but no. you got me hyped up, Dr. Vicky. <laughs> You know, that's a bad thing to do. Uh, I don't mean to be rude. But but what we put onto the circle of life circles back to encircle us. So if you want love, and we talk about this, the book talks about it in The uh, Karma of Love. When you want to be loved, the way to do that is to love others. So you put the love onto the circle, the love comes back. But if you put hate on there, that's what's going to come back. And it's going to eat you up from the inside out. You never see spiritual people getting that angry. Now, we're all human, but in, in levels, you just don't see it because people who are divinely focused understand that God is in charge of, of all of our lives. Mm-hmm. And that divinity, that warmth, that love that, you know, after all, created us. We didn't create ourselves. There was some power that created us. That's why I always, frankly, when I think of atheists, I say, how, how, what are you thinking? You're using your intellect to try to negate the very intellect that created you. How does that work? It doesn't. It's upside out. It's, it's backwards. So, yeah, put love onto, put goodness onto, put kindness onto the circle of life, and that will eventually come back to you. Maybe not in this life. Maybe next life. Now, there, the key, There's the key right there. Right. It doesn't always happen. No. Everyone that's listening tonight, remember, karma doesn't just fit into this little life of, of you know, this is rich life or, or this is, you know, Vicky's life or, or Susie's life. It's a continual. That's what we're talking about with the, um, the, the reincarnation. You know, that, that's, what, that's well, what it's all about. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it comes back to this law of transmigration. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hey, remember that, that quote, the human body's not given to us in every birth. We get it only after millions of lives. Those yeah. millions of lives were spent in subhuman forms. Mm-hmm. And so we've got work to do. And that work is a constant refining and purification of who we are. Every day we get up, we should say, okay, 
How can I make myself better today? And when we interact with people, did I lose my temper? Did I uh, lose control of myself? If I did, I need to fix that. It's, it's, we make progress little bitty steps at a time. Nobody makes giant strides. But over the course of time, we make progress. It's like moving up a staircase with every stair being maybe a 32nd of an inch. And you step up a 32nd of an inch, you, it's not much of a difference. But if you do that a thousand times and then you look down behind you, you will see that you have made massive progress even though each little step doesn't seem like a big step. Yeah, it's loving ourselves too. When we can love ourselves and take responsibility, it's, it's a wonderful feeling. Now, you know, I'm sitting here as we're talking, Rich, thinking about I, I have a, a myriad. I have a rabbit. I have a deer, I have um, squirrels and birds and everything out in my backwoods. And one of the most exciting things for me every day is to go out and be kind to them. I mean, I love it because they have plenty of food out there, but I love, enjoy, I enjoy watching them. And they're so grateful. They just look at you with their sweet little eyes and they're just so grateful. And it's being kind even to our animals. I'm I'm profoundly, I'm an animal person. I'm profoundly affected by the relationship karma with our animals. It's, it's another show I know in itself, but it, it, um, it's profound to me that, that we don't see those precious beings as who they are. So. No, they, they are divinely given. In fact, St. Charan Singh talks about this in the chapter on love, and he says the reason we're, one of the reasons we're vegetarians, because in order to follow the spiritual path, to really get on it, you really have to be a vegetarian, because that cuts the karmic killing cycle. And if we love, if Jesus, on my website, under the article section, I talk about Christ Christ being a vegetarian, question mark? Well, my question is, how could he not be? When you have a son of God who talks about love, how can you talk about love on one hand and go slaughter and kill animals on the other? It doesn't make sense. And loving, we love all of creation, including animals. And frankly, animals are very highly evolved. When you look at the five categories that form the wheel of transmigration, so you've got the plant kingdom, which is at the very lowest. Then coming upwards, you've got the insect kingdom, you've got the bird kingdom, the uh, oceanic kingdom, then you've got the animal kingdom. Man is is in that top part of the animal kingdom, but he owns and sits atop the very highest rung. Like we said, no other form has the gifts that are given to the human, but still animals are, are... they're beings. We have mm-hmm. all been. We have all been animals in another lifetime. We've been insects. We've been all of that through our millions of lives in other forms, and now we've been blessed with this human form. It is stunning how how ungrateful people are to be human. But I hope that now they start. Whoever's listening starts thinking, I really am blessed because I am a human. I'm not an animal. I'm not an insect, and I'm not a bird, fish, or tree. <laughs> which we can be. Mm-hmm. It, it's, yeah, you, really, it's really yeah. something. And you, can, and you can bless the trees, too. If you're going to have uh, uh, people next door to me chop down a bunch of trees, and I just had to go out there and bless them, you know, because I had no control over it. Um, no. People, you know, people do it all the time, but you can at least bless them. Now, there, there's, oh, there's so much I want to talk to you about tonight. Um, there is one issue that I want to get into a little bit uh, about... I, you know what? I want to talk about karma and abortion because it is such a big issue in our 
political arena right now. Boy, so, is, is it ever? Yeah, I mean, I I know how women mostly uh, feel about it, although I don't know every woman in the world. But I just would like to talk about the law of karma and abortion, if you don't mind. I know it's a very, very delicate subject for a lot of people. It's, look at what it's doing to just, you know, the world right now, or it's, at least America, I should yeah. say America. Well, people can do whatever they want. God does not prevent us from making choices. However, he also does not prevent us from experiencing the consequences of those choices. And by karmic law, those consequences are a mandate. So if a woman and uh, her lover, man, guy, who decide they're going to abort a child, what they are doing is putting killing of a human, and, and that's exactly what's going on, onto the circle of life. So eventually, if they ever get a chance to be a human again, which may be millions of years, and they're in a, a, a human womb, a female womb, they're going to get aborted because that's how the law works. You sow, you reap, you cannot reap what you do not sow. This is a constant drumbeat in this book, and I mentioned that early on. The thing about abortion is that God gave each of us a human birth, so who are we to deny a human birth to another incoming soul? And remember, the human form is the most it's the greatest form in this creation, in the, in the wheel of transmigration. It occupies the highest rung. So think about denying a, an incoming soul the right to become human with all of its attending positives of ultimately being able to merge into God. That's the, the damage that these people are doing when they say, oh, yeah, well, it's my choice. Really? Well, okay, if it's your choice, your choice is to abort yourself in some future period of time. Why not give the baby up for adoption? That's, that's one thing to do. Another thing to do would be step up to the, the plate and raise that child yourself. Most people, I would think, abort children for their own convenience or their own pleasure, or they don't want to undergo the responsibility of having to uh, take care of a life for uh, a few decades. And I'm thinking back, are you kidding? When you understand that you could go back into a subhuman wheel of existence for millions of lives and you're not willing to spend a few lives to take care of a very child that you created by your own choice in having sex. Because when we have sex, that is the way children are produced and that is how our race is promulgated by having children. So you are in effect being irresponsible by having sex and saying, well, I don't want that. I don't want this child. I'm not going to give this incoming soul a chance to be human. Well, you're going to deny yourself a chance to be human. And yeah, that's but, not yeah, I, I think the, what, what are the, one of the issues though, is that some people are not choosing to have it. It's like rape or a child of incest or something like that, where they get pregnant and they, they could even lose their life. If, well, that, if, that, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a choice. That's what I say. Mm -hmm. That's their yeah. choice. I'm not telling them what to do. Yeah. I'm sharing ideas. But I would yeah. bet you if more women understood that they're really hurting themselves going forward, they would not yeah. be so excited about uh, aborting a child. Remember, the human form is the absolute crown jewel of creation. And when we deny 
that crown jewel to somebody else, then mm-hmm. it's going to be denied to us by karmic okay. law. Now, one thing I want to talk about is attachment. That is such a big issue with the universal laws, especially with law of karma. There is its own law, the law of attachment. That's right. But how do you how do you explain that so that you can help people to understand what that means, attachment? Well, attachment means when we're bound to other people psychologically, emotionally, politically, spiritually, however, uh, whatever the, the binding is, we become enshackled. How many people, for example, uh, when let, – let's take sports, for example. Mm-hmm. People get really attached to a sports team. And then you can see in some cases – I'm going back to the World Cup decades ago when the goalkeeper for Colombia – was assassinated after the game because he missed a kick and and the opposition won. And so he was assassinated. (gasps) I didn't know that. (laughs) All all kinds of things can happen in sports Uh because of people's anger. So Mm -hmm. that attachment is going to come back on uh, certainly the person who did the assassinating. Uh, Religions, I mentioned this in, in the book. People have different thoughts. Well, they're welcome to have their own attachments. Saints say that only attachment to God can cut the attachment to the world. So it's not a matter of being unattached. We have to be attached to something. So they say attach yourself to the higher divine consciousness, and ultimately you will detach yourself from the worldly mindset. Yeah. So, okay. so the more, more we purify ourselves, then uh, the higher we rise. And then we just start moving away from, from this world. It's like being in an airplane. You get an airplane and you, when you're on ground level, you see everybody around you. You start getting higher. Then the buildings start to go and you can't, the building, you, you can't even see people anymore. All you see is land. So mm-hmm. the higher we go spiritually, things change below. We, we see much, much more broader scope and understand more than we would if we were at ground level. Well, there's certainly a lot of attachment going on in, in our politics today, too, because you have to, you know, and I, I don't recall it ever being like this. But then when you hear my, my um, a family member was taking uh, U.S. politics, um, U.S. American history. And I was like, you know what? This has been going on a long time. <laughs> it's like um, the attachment to a specific idea and no no way to. Uh, change that. And to me, that affects the law of karma or the, the, the karmic situation because we get too attached to one viewpoint and can't see the other. That's so, right. And that, that keeps us bound here, which that, affects, yeah. And then now we're back to attachment being one of the five hindrances. Yes, exactly. And it, that's it, why I wanted to mention that because now real briefly, we don't have a lot of time, but uh, relationships, oh my heavens, the karmic relationships that people have, and I'm going to say friends, but specifically probably romantic for the short time that we have left, uh-huh. uh, people really get into these um, relationships, uh, Rich, and karmically, just chat with us a little bit about what, what goes on with that. Okay, probably the, the best thing to do here is just to re- share with you some quotations from saints. Good. This comes directly from their mouths. I'm just sharing the information. Okay. So St. Charon Singh says a lot in some of his books, quote, all our relationships in this world are in fact the adjustment of our old karmic debts. When the debtor pays off his debt, 
he leaves the shell immediately. So basically what he's saying is that there's no relationship that is anything else other than a, a karmic reconciliation. People come together, and then when the instant that the, the debts are paid, the debtor departs the shell. In another place, he says, our marriage and all our relationships in this world are, in fact, the adjustment of our debts of karmas. When the debt is paid off, the debtor departs. Basically, the same theme. Uh, a longer one, uh, he says, all these worldly relationships are meant only for clearing our karmic accounts. Different persons who have karmic accounts to settle with us come into our life as our relatives, friends, acquaintances, and so forth. And when their accounts are settled, they drift away from us. It is our karmas that bring us together and our karmas that separate us one from another. We remain together only as long as we are destined to do so and no more. Sometimes our destiny makes us do things which are much against our wishes. We become a helpless tool in the hands of fate. So we see that all these rural relationships, they're not happenstance. And people come together and then they leave as their karmas dictate, which brings me to this point. And I've learned this the hard way through my life, but I've mm -hmm. learned it. I'm, I've, my head's like concrete, but, <laughs> but once I try to get it, you know, it, it gets stuck inside and it's pretty good. But our primary relationship is always with our creator, with God. Think of God as a living, conscious, ubiquitous, universal energy. It knows. It knows everything we do. You know, people say, well, what stays in, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Are yeah. you kidding? There is, it can't. <laughs> Karma can, well, that's not how it works. And it's, it's really quite simple. But when we are attached to God and, and a, a, a love relationship falls apart, a familial relationship falls apart, a professional relationship, we don't worry about it because our connection is with God. That is always the first relationship and frankly the only relationship that's real all these other ones as saint charan singh says and other saints say the same thing are just karmic reconciliations that's all they are and that's so beautiful because i i feel you know i used to be a divorce attorney that when a relationship is over and it's 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 over someone's going to drift away and they both go their way but everyone has to make the other person wrong. And I think if, if there was some understanding about, ah, well, we've resolved it. It's now it's okay to move on. That's right. Then we wouldn't have to make everyone around us wrong. Oh, well, they don't, they don't, they're leaving because, uh, and, and, you know, I think there's something that you said that really struck to me. And then I want to talk about your book, how do people get it? But, you know, you're in a relationship, say in a marriage, and you don't believe in divorce and that karmic relationship is over rich. And I, you know, I can feel because I've seen, I've seen hundreds of them and they can't get out of the relationship because it's, um, uh, religiously wrong. And then they drift off anyway. And then they have a, an affair because they're, they're having to move on, but they can't move on. And it's, to me, it's, it's a phenomenal situation. If people could understand the religions of the world could understand that you know what it's okay it's okay you're moving on you you've handled it do it in a kind way so well, I, I think the kindness is the, the the point though is that if the people stay together they were destined to stay together until that karma's paid and who who knows that in another life maybe the person who drifted and had an affair mm -hmm. maybe their spouse had one had the same thing in another lifetime and now it's coming back to be a part of their consciousness you oh, see. i see yeah so no, i can are, see that yeah People yeah. are always interrupted. The point is that once the books are balanced, 
Everybody goes their own way. A relationship cannot stay together a second longer than it's intended to get to mm-hmm. to, to stay together. Mm-hmm. And in uh, in numerology, we can see this happen when people get divorced. One person's energy, or maybe both people's charts, will show a movement of energy away from each other. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating when you get into looking at uh, familial, family-based numerology charts because we are so interwoven. It's it's really amazing. Well, I understand. I mean, I think it's phenomenal. Now, let's talk about your book and how people – well, talk about your website because you can also get the information on the website. Tell, talk. What is your website name? Well, my re- main website is richardking.net, mm-hmm. not, not .com, richardking.net. I have all my books on there. I have 25 books. Uh, all of the, the order information is there. This book, Karma, is both in paperback on Amazon and also in Kindle. Eventually, I will have it on uh, in an audiobook format. That's oh, that's not awesome. Com- that's, that's not awesome. coming up anytime soon, but mm-hmm. that's, that's on my list of to-do things. Well, it's Karma, the definite guide to the supreme law of this world. Yeah, actually, mean? if I could yeah. correct you, it's the definitive guide. Oh, definitive. Okay, definitive. To, to the supreme law of, of I, this I, world. I, I need my glasses on tonight. That's okay. <laughs> I understand. But I'd, I'd like to jump back to this Karma of Relationships because sure. when people read this, just knowing that their relationships are destined Let's say somebody just leaves up and leaves you and you're just bewildered. Why in the world did this happen? It will help them adjust and stay balanced where before they may fall apart. Mm-hmm. And, and we never want to – we have to stay balanced in this world if we're going to have a good life. For yeah. example, when – well, I've seen in, in my life people die and the people left over still alive fall apart. And yeah. they destroy their whole lives. If they understood that this is part of the circles and cycles of life, then they could stay balanced and have a better life than they would otherwise. Yeah, and there are lessons about, you know, all of that, too. It's like I have a, a friend that has lost four or five family members, and we're really working on how to understand that. Okay, I'd like to jump in with that. Yeah, this, go ahead. One, one, one saint was visited by a woman. And she was under a lot of stress because one of her sons had been killed. Mm-hmm. And when she left, he let out a sigh. And his wife came to him and said, why, why did you, you know, have that heavy sigh? And he said, because in a previous life, this woman was a wolf, a she-wolf. And she killed all six of the doe from this one deer. And in mm. this lifetime, her karma is going to be that all of her sons are going to have to be killed. And this was the first of those six to die. Wow. That's, that's phenomenal. That, yeah, That's how karma works. And and I want to just share something. If, if folks are listening in and not familiar with, with karma, when you read this book, it will help you to understand it and not be upset about it and and just a full understanding when you have an understanding of something it's easier to to grasp it to use it in your daily life so i want to share this book you can get it on amazon under karma so richard andrew king just look up richard andrew king and you'll find karma so richard thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on living your soul's journey this evening well thank you thank you dr vicky as always this went really fast Oh yeah, I did, and it's time. It's 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 yeah. it's over. So thank you all for listening in. Thank you, Richard Andrew King, and be sure and get his book, Karma. Good night. 
thank you for listening in to Living Your Soul's Journey. Be sure and visit Vicki in her virtual home at VickiFord.com to learn more about you and how to overcome roadblocks in your path. Until next week, be in gratitude and thank you for tuning in to Living Your Soul's Journey.